You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. I want to talk this morning about having a vision for the new year. And I know what, what happens sometimes when you're in when settings like this is that people immediately go, well, you know, I'm too old for that stuff. You know, that was, when I was, that was for when I was in my 30s and 40s and 50s and I was working. I, I needed vision then. Or, hey, that's for the old folks. I'm too young to worry about vision. I'm just going to live life footloose and fancy free. You know, the old Doris Day. Case Seurat, Seurat, whatever will be, will be. You know, it's just, I'm just going to live life. But the fact is that God is the creator of vision, and he designed us to be people of vision. When Moses was 80 years old, God gave him a vision, showed up to him in the form of a burning bush, and transformed his life's purpose. When Caleb was 85, God gave him a vision, and he said at age 85, I want to take this mountain. God, give me this mountain. I want the land that you have promised me, and I will possess it. So I believe that at any age that you are, that we are never too old to understand the vision and purpose that God has for us. When David was 14 years old, Samuel showed up and anointed him as king of Israel and gave him a new vision, turned him from shepherd to king. And so all of us have an opportunity to find God's vision and find out what it is that God has for us the coming year, the coming decade, and for our lives. And uh, some of us may be amazed at what God still has in store for us. So I want to start in Proverbs 29, 18, and I want to read from the King James Version. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Father, we thank you that you've made us people of vision. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us an instruction manual for development of vision. And that you've inspired us with the Holy Spirit who is leading and guiding our visions in life. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in advance for what you're going to do in this coming year. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So what is your vision for this new year? See, many people will set goals. They'll set goals that they will abandon and will never obtain. See, they may have a road map, but they have no real purpose to a destination. You remember back in the days when we used to go into AAA or you'd pull into a gas station and you'd buy a Rand McNally fold-out map? You'd open it all up, but you could never fold it back together? You remember those? Yeah. Well, having a road map doesn't do you any good unless you have a destination. And the problem is, is the world talks a lot about goals, about setting goals. But goals are really objectives on the way to one's vision. And living by goals is very short term. Because 
if you don't know what your vision in life, when you accomplish a goal, what's next? You know, at Valor Christian Center, we know that our vision is evangelism, healing, and discipleship. Everything we do has to be focused around our vision for what God has given us. And therefore, when we accomplish our goals, when we fulfill a purpose that we may have in the short term, we still have a long-term vision for where God is taking us, what our purpose is for being here as a church or congregation. But many times as believers, we just think, well, you know, uh, God will just make it all work out and, and things will be okay. It's very interesting. I, I read a statistic that 80% of those who make resolutions to get in shape and join a gym will not even make it five months. See, they have a goal. But because they, they really don't have a destination on their roadmap, when the going gets tough, they stop going. You know, you remember the old saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Well, the fact is, as believers, we should never stop going. We should always be in onward mobilization and onward pursuit of what God has called you to do. Because remember that if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are now a minister. That's what the Bible says. He has given each and every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. And so even though there are hundreds of thousands and millions of people every Sunday who go and uh, make impressions in, in pews and chairs in, in um, places of worship, many of them have never grasped hold of the fact that they have been made a minister when they received Christ, a minister of reconciliation. They still believe that they are the ones that, that need to be ministered to. They are like babes who never grow up. They are constantly seeking a bottle. They're, they're, they're looking for milk in order to sustain them. When, like Paul said, that, that you should be at some point in your life mature, you know, foregoing the pablum and the, and, and the milk and laying hold of the meat of the Word of God. So again, most people don't ever fulfill the goals that they set at this time of the year because they have no real destination. They have no real vision. I want to read Proverbs 29 again, verse 18, but this time from the Amplified. It says here in the Amplified version, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, Blessed, happy, fortunate, and inviolable is he. See, without vision, you're likely to be doing the same thing you dislike next year and the year after until you just get plain old sick and tired of doing. And there's many people that I have met with in situations in whether it's a, a business consulting or whether it's in pastoral county, uh, counseling that are just sick and tired. The problem is they have a roadmap but no destination. And they've been living their life that way and at some point it leads to disenchantment because 
They have not found their purpose in life. And yet, we have a book that if people will dedicate themselves to understanding, renewing and transforming into, will establish your purpose in life. You'll have a destination, and then you'll have a choice to make. Am I willing to go there? Because having a destination, you have to make the commitment to go there. I mean, how many of you know that if you're in San Diego, California, and you want to go to Bangor, Maine, it's a drive. So you have to make a decision. It certainly is a long walk. You know, but you have to make the decision. I need to get the, I want to go there. So do I do it by walking, by, by bicycle, by bus, by train, by airplane? I mean, how do I get there? What do I want to do along the way? What do you want to do in life along your journey in life? See, we need to have a vision. Otherwise, when you, when you get to the end of, of the goal or this thing that you're doing or you reach retirement, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself without purpose. We need to have purpose in life. Those who follow God's plans of instruction, the Bible right here says in Proverbs uh, 29, happy and blessed will they be by the result. Those who, who cling to the word of the Lord and develop their vision for life, happy and blessed will they be. And I would like to see a whole lot more happy and blessed believers when I go to churches or when I come, come here to Valor. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are happy and blessed. They're excited about what they're doing. They're excited about what God has for them. Your future or our future will be shaped by our motivation to improve. See, that's... that's just did. We come to January 1st, people look in the mirror and they go, man, I'm overweight, I'm out of shape, I'm motivated to improve. But then they go to the gym and they start lifting barbells, they start getting on the treadmill, they start getting on the elliptical, they start doing resistance training, and all of a sudden, the motivation seems to disappear. And, it, and I understand it. I mean, it, without pain, there is no gain, right? So that it, the motivation but see when you're a believer our vision should be tied to our calling or to our purpose in life as ministers of reconciliation paul said fight the good fight of faith because we are in a battle you know the biggest battle that we fight is right here in our mind that's why in corinthians it says Lay hold, grab hold of every thought that tries to penetrate your mind and subject it to the Word of God because we are in a battle, a battle of motivation. You know, it's, it, it's interesting, you know, when, when you start up an intercessory group, you know, you get uh, a dozen or two dozen people and then, and then four or five weeks later there's... There's a few less, and then, you know, four months later, there's a few less, and then all of a sudden, you got two or three or four or five faithful people that are showing up. Well, what happened? Well, the motivation changed. 
boy, I have to get up an extra hour early to get to church, or they're having intercessory on Saturday. Don't they know that Saturday is my day? So without a clear divine vision for your life, people tend to lose motivation to improve or to make things change. I want to read Colossians chapter 3, and I want to correlate this with some other scriptural texts, what Paul wrote here in Colossians 3, and hopefully bring some illumination. So I'm not going to read it the three verses together, I'm going to kind of break them up. So I want to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 first. It says, if then you were raised with Christ. Now see, I think it's kind of interesting because Paul kind of prefaces this on the fact that if you were really raised with Christ, if you really made a commitment, made Jesus your Lord, then this pertains to you. And if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now, see, what happens a lot of times is, you know, people come to Christ for many different reasons. They make the relationship to, to come and to receive Him as Lord and Savior for many different purposes. It could be because, they, you know, they went, they went through a, a relational problem. They went through a financial problem. They went through a health problem. But they made the decision to come to Christ and... and receive what he has provided for us through the work of the cross they want to receive the restoration and maybe they want to receive the eternal gratification the benefit that comes from salvation but they don't seek the things which are above see they they don't have a vision for for doing anything with god or for god you know, they're the ones that say, well, when all else fails, maybe we should pray, you know. And so um, here in Colossians, Paul is saying, hey, we should change as believers. We should change the way that we approach God. We should be seeking Christ and his ways and those things which are intended for us, but that are above the carnal or natural thinking. In Matthew 6, 10, Jesus said it this way. He said, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, there is a plan for the believer. For the born-again believer, the plan of the Father is that you experience life on earth as it is in heaven. The problem is, is we live so much further under it because we spend much more time seeking the things that are below instead of seeking the things that are above. We have transformed our life into the world system. We become part of the Babylonian system instead of walking as kingdom people that we're supposed to. And if you remember when we talked about uh, that lesson about the spiritual, living a spiritual life, when Paul says, now concerning the spiritual things related to the kingdom of God, these are the things that we shouldn't be ignorant about. These are the things that we should relate to because it is truly our eternal destination is where our citizenship really lies. I mean, I know you, most of you probably have passports that say you're a citizen of the United States of America, but in reality, 
We are just passing through. You know, when, when Pharaoh asked Jacob his age, he responded, the days of my sojourn. He was saying, hey, Pharaoh, however many days I've been on this earth is just the beginning because I am on a journey to my eternal kingdom. Now go with me to the second verse there in Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3, 2. Paul goes on to say, hey, set your mind. You know, when, I don't know how many of you have, have um, ever done anything with, or watched any movies or any documentaries on explosives. But, you know, they take time to set those charges. They take time to set that up so that they don't get blown up themselves, right? Well, here in the Scripture, Paul is saying, hey, you need to set your mind. You need to set yourself towards the kingdom. Set your mind so that your life does not get blown up. Take spiritual attention to the things that God has for you. So set your mind on which things? On the things that are above. On godly things. And not on the things of the earth. Now we've been programmed from the time that we were little children to set our minds on the things of the earth. I mean, our whole school system in society is set to get your minds thinking about things on the earth. It's not set to make you prosper. It is actually made to teach us how to indenture ourselves to others. It's not, our school system is not made to teach us how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so that we can live spirit-led lives and do the things that God has called us to do. The educational system teaches us framework for which to work inside of within these natural bounds. But Paul's saying that's not the way of the believer. So you were designed differently. You now have a regenerated spirit that can communicate via the Holy Spirit with God. And you should now be starting to change the things that you think upon. Think about the way God does things instead of the way the world does things. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by this you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, Paul says that we need to literally transform ourselves. In the Greek, this, this word here, uh, be transformed, is the word metamorpho. It literally means to change from one thing to another. It's where we get the word metamorphosis, where the caterpillar builds a cocoon and comes out a butterfly, having gone through a metamorphosis process. And Paul is saying that the Word of God, uh, when you transform yourself by the Word of God, you literally will metamorphosize from the things of this world into the things of the kingdom of God. It goes on to say, by the renewing of your mind. This word renewing is the word where we get remodeling from. So what the Apostle Paul is saying is he's saying, get into your mind 
and strip all of the sheetrock and insulation and old wiring and, and thought process out of there and remodel the way you think about life, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about others, remodel it to think about it so that when it's done, it's a perfect replica of the kingdom. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Go with me now back to Colossians 3.3. In Colossians 3.3 it says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, when you receive, when you make the, the, the commitment to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are taking on His crucifixion. We are crucified. The Bible says we are crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ Jesus that lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. We are literally take on the crucifixion. What are we being crucified to? We're being crucified to the world's system. It's been nailed to the cross, the system of sin, the system of death. The system of grief, the system of despair has been nailed to the cross. We've been, we crucify that, and we are transformed then to the image of Christ through the renewing of our minds. In Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who are Christ, they have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. We are crucifying the worldly way of thinking where we're thinking about ourselves first, what we can get out of life, what I can get from you. So we need to be transformed. So when we do consider our visions, we should do so in cooperation and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. See, when most people say, put a vision plan together, they say, what are the greatest things that you would like in life? What do you want? What, what, what do you desire? Where do you want to be? What do you want to look like? What car do you want to drive? What house do you want to live in? What clothes do you want to wear? See, it's all about you. It's all selfish. But see, we're supposed to crucify those things. It's amazing how many believers will pick up a secular book on vision and goal settings, but not consider the source of the idea and the master of the plan. Many people will equate making a plan to their financial dreams, goals, and hopes. But see, in Luke 12, 23, Jesus said, life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. See, there's more to life than making money. Now, I understand that we need money to pay the bills, but there is more to life than making money. There's more to life than the accumulation of goods. There's more to life than having more than your neighbor. The old adage, the one who dies with the most toys wins, is not true. The one who dies with the most toys generally just died with more debt and left less inheritance to their children. How many of you have seen the big Class A motorhomes driving down the road saying, I'm spending my children's inheritance? But see, that's worldly. That's not godly. We're supposed to leave an inheritance to our children's children. See, we're to think differently. 
than the world thinks. In Luke 6.45, part A, it says, A good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good. So see, when we're transformed, we should be bringing out good things because God only has good things. James says every good and every perfect gift comes from our Father above. And in Him there is no shadow of turning. Amen? So we, when we look at this, I want to make sure that I've clarified that there is a difference between goals and vision. Goals are the destinations on your journey. You can accomplish goals without a vision for life. But a vision is a roadmap to your God-ordained destiny. Vision may be the accumulation of many of these goals. So choose your goals wisely. See, the way God did it is God chose family when he considered a vision for a new era. See, after Adam and Eve sinned, a new era began when they were removed from the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3.15, we can see God writes a vision plan. He says, and I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your descendants and her seed, capital S, between the Christ that shall come from her descendants. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. See, God says, hey, I've got a vision Satan, you may have thought that you won because you caused Adam and Eve to sin in the garden. But God said, I have a vision, and I'm telling you, it's going to come to pass. And the seed that I have when he is born, he is going to destroy the very kingdom. And I am again going to make it possible for people to fellowship with me and to come back to me and have a relationship with me. God's vision was for family. Far too much emphasis is put on accumulation. Far too little is put on family. The two are not mutually exclusive. I mean, we live in a world where it requires finances in order to operate, to live. To basically, like Acts says, to live, move, and have our being, we need finances. But see, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be the source of our living, our moving, and our being. Because God's plan includes relationship, and it includes wealth. So our vision should prioritize family, both our relatives and our church body. But how many people, when they sit down to write out their vision plan, include family in their plan? I don't know anybody who's teaching in the area of finances who teaches that. Anybody who's teaching in the area of success who is teaching the priority of family. God also chose spiritual intimacy when he sent Jesus. His vision for spiritual intimacy. So our vision should prioritize also spiritual intimacy. In John 14, 15 through 18... Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide in you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive, because he neither sees him or knows him. 
But you know him, for he dwells in you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. See, Jesus said that I have a vision for intimacy. Just like the Father and I are one, he said. I have a a plan. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to reside on the inside of you. He will become para, which means connected, close to you. Kaleo, he will be called alongside you to lead you, to guide you, to to, uh, bring you truth. Because God believes in relationships. And so how many times when we sit down to think of our vision, do we think about our time with God? The intimacy to develop a vision that includes a relationship with God. Not just going to church. It's like, oh, here's my vision for life. I'll go to church on Christmas and Easter. Or maybe I'll make it to church a couple times a month. No, but what about your intimate prayer time? What about, what about the time when, when you just share everything that is on your heart with God? What about the time when you listen for that still small voice to speak to you? What about in your problems? What about in your shortcomings? Do we bring God into it? We need to develop a vision where God is centric to our relationship, to our intimacy. And the third area is finances. In Deuteronomy 8.18, we are told... That it says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And then he goes on to tell us why. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. See, God has a purpose for your prosperity. See, it's not so that you can have a ski boat, two jet skis, a Harley, Two Lamborghinis, a King Ranch, F-350. I mean, he doesn't mind if you have those things. But that can't be your vision for prosperity. How many times have I seen people or heard people talk about their vision for the year, their goals for the year, and it's, well, I'm believing God for, you know, a Lamborghini. I'm believing God for, you know, and it's all stuff. And it's like, it's junk to the kingdom. The Lamborghinis of 200 years ago have been dead and buried, and so will these. Build for yourself treasures where moth and rust don't destroy, and thief can't break in and steal. See, God has a purpose for your prosperity. Your vision should have a purpose for giving over getting. If somebody asks me, do you make financial goals? I do. I make financial goals. But the first financial goal I make is my goal for giving. I make it outrageous. Because I know if it's big, if it's bigger than I did last year, if it's bigger than maybe I've ever done before, if I make it big, I'll be conscious of it. And I'll be trying to to, to make sure that, that, that I'm in tune with God in order to accomplish it. My first priority is my giving priority. How much am I going to be able to sow into the kingdom of God? How much am I going to be able to sow into the lives of others? 
I mean, that's what 2 Corinthians uh, 9 is all about. It's about true prosperity. It's about having all of your needs met and having more than enough to meet the needs of the world. Well, I'm not going to be able to do that if I just say, well, my goal this year, my vision this year is to tithe. Now, you may be there, and that may be huge for you. And if it is, then, then that's where you should be with God on developing that. But I can't just do that. I can't just say, Lord, I just want enough money to tithe. I want to have enough money to tithe. I want to have enough money to give offerings. I want to have enough money. Every time there's a guest speaker, I can sow into their ministry. Every time there's a mission opportunity that I can sow into missions. And when we hear about needs or things going around in the world, I want to be able to sow into that. I, want, I mean, I, I've told you all the story before. I had the, the accountant call me one year. And he says, you gave away more money than you made. I said, and? there a problem with that? Well, no, but he said, I just wanted you to know you gave away more money than you made. I said, praise God, I still have money in the bank. See, that's the kind of giver I want. I want financial goals that are not, not the way the world makes them. You know, I don't want to try to, to make other people have less so that I can have more. I want us all to have more. And if I can learn to be a giver like Jesus, I mean, I'm not even close. I mean, Jesus gave so much that when uh, Judas went away to betray him, they thought he was going to give something to the poor. When he said, hey, what you do, go do quickly, they thought he was sending him out to give money to the poor because he was so well known for being such a huge giver. Financial goals that are in tune with kingdom objectives. When you get your giving right, you will get your getting right. Godly, and, godly vision encompasses those three F's that we just talked about. Faith, relationship with God, family, relationship with others, and finances, relationship and stewardship. See, divine order, not divine accident. Too many Christians are living by divine accident. They need a miracle. Because they haven't done divine stewardship. They haven't done divine relationships. They haven't done divine family time. Because I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. Let me close with this. Let's finish well. See, there is a prize. There is a crown of life. And it's not only for you, but it's for others. And we should be letting people know there is a crown for life. To be obtained. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run this way. Not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Let's live with godly vision. Let's make a difference in this world. Let's make a difference in people's lives. Let's let 2023 be an incredible God-centric year. Amen?
Amen. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.